Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. I want to start with a phrase that God gave us. Uh, in preparation for this year. As I said, this is our vision month. We talk about who we are, what we're doing, why we're here, and there's opportunities to find out all kinds of stuff that's going to go on throughout the year. And one phrase that God's really given us is simply make the conversation. And um, I think Fiona made a cool screen you might see. Oh, there we go. And, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, I like this phrase because it implies personal responsibility. Uh, to not just have a conversation, but to be involved in making a conversation, making something happen, taking some initiative, uh, taking responsibility that we've all been given to live our life, to do something with our life. And, and of course, part of that is conversing with people. You're going to talk to people anyway, but a lot of times we just let life happen to us. It just washes over us and people are just conversing with people that come into their life and they're just reacting to circumstances and that's not really God's calling for you. His calling is for you to be on the front foot and to be leading and uh, of course we react and respond to to uh, to things, situations and people in our lives but there's a sense of responsibility in, uh, in, in making a connection with people and making a conversation happen because we're all about community and, and connection and, and communicating with the Lord, uh, with each other, with people in the world around us, with our faith. Uh, and this phrase just captures the um, opportunity to have meaningful conversations. They're not just, you know, go through life with people zipping past you. I mean, I'm reasonably task-oriented and some people around here I know are the same. And if you're not careful, uh, you'll just go past people. <laughs> on your way to the next mission, uh, you know, but people are the mission and, uh, and the same with the Lord. You can kind of, if you're not careful, just do business with God. Uh, again, if you're a focused type A kind of person and you're a Christian, uh, you might just have your agenda and away you go. Dear God, good morning. How are you? I guess you're well. I'm a sinner. So thank you for forgiving me. Next. Uh, uh, I worship you. Uh, end of the gates of Thanksgiving. Tick the box. Great. Now, we've got some things got to change. I've got some people that really got to change. God, can you do this, this, and this? Please, make it happen tomorrow. And now, I've got to go to work. Thank you. Follow me. And can you be with me throughout the day? Thanks. And I, wait, are you, anyone ever have a prayer like that? Come on. Come on. Even worse, if you had the prayer in the car. Like, oh, God, oh, I'll, I'll meet you in the car. Oh, I'm running late. Okay, God, I'm driving to work. Oh, Lord. Ah, watch out, you idiot. What are you doing? It's not a really focused prayer session, you know. Uh, and so make the time. Make the appointment. Make the effort. Uh, you know, you make an appointment with the doctor and uh, you probably do go, especially if you're going to have to pay for it. You make a reservation in a fancy restaurant. You probably just remember to do that, you know. And so we need to make the effort and make some time and make some conversations happen. Um, and so, um, 
you know, as I've already implied, there's, there's three different directions of these conversations and they flow with our mission statement that we've mentioned many times, reaching up, reaching out, reaching in, reaching up to worship God, reaching out with the good news of Jesus, sharing our faith with people and reaching in with love and with training and discipleship so we can follow Jesus better. Well, that's really just talking about having a conversation or making a conversation happen with the Lord, uh, with people that we want to share with in the community and with each other within the family of God. And so I just want to walk through uh, what that looks like a little more this morning. Um, I was going to read some passages from the book of Leviticus. We don't really have time. Uh, And I've been reading about um, just the way God deals with people back then. But let me just say this. We're all about the glory of God. Our number one vision is to bring glory to God. And, and today we're just talking about how our conversations can do that. Um, but God hasn't changed. You know, in the Old Testament, there's some pretty feisty and fierce stuff. And uh, God comes with great power. The passage I was going to read in Leviticus has fire burning up an offering. And then these guys come and do the wrong thing. The Levitical priests uh, don't present the offering the right way. And then the fire burns them up. And uh, people read that and think, oh, well, praise God, we're in the New Testament. And that's true, but it's not as if, well, praise God, God somehow morphed and changed and that he's no longer awesome and sending fire and, and full of incredible power. He's sort of, isn't he different? Isn't he just like Jesus, meek and mild and just kicking along in the dust with the fishermen and he's just nice and he's my buddy and, well, yes and no, Jesus is gracious and Jesus does forgive and of course his forgiveness is available for us all through faith we don't have to go through all the rigmarole of the old testament and they're just covering over sin with animal sacrifice and so that's cool and we do live uh, and are born again and follow God by faith through grace uh, by grace through faith uh, and and that's wonderful but God is still awesome God is still to be revered and respected and his church is not just another club that we join we are here to worship the living God. And, and the passages I was going to read, you can look and read the Old Testament yourself and you just find throughout the whole Bible this sense of our God is a consuming fire. Our God is the most righteous, holy, amazing person in the universe and we get to serve him. We get to come close to him. We get to build his church and be part of his body and his army and his family. And so it's Pretty cool, pretty awesome, pretty amazing. So when we talk about plans and programs and what we're doing this month and you can be involved in this and get on that roster, and yeah, that's all cool, but it, there's a weight to it. There's a foundation of glory that's very, very awesome in the true meaning of the word. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, and so that just adds some weight to and, – and some excitement uh, – to, to when we talk about having a conversation or making a conversation happen. And it, it's, um, it's not just uh, picking up a few life skills. Like Tim was saying, uh, you know, he's, he's learned from, from us and others and, and really good practical stuff. And you can have the house on the beach. You can have both. You can have one near work and, and one near the beach. You can believe for that and work towards that. And, and he wasn't talking about giving up on prosperity, but he's talking about just making smart decisions and going along, and it's very true, you, you glean from people that God places in your life. Um, but church is a lot more than just picking up some 
life skills. Uh, it's, it's ultimately about preparing for eternal life and standing before the Lord. And so we are uh, walking with him throughout this life. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter which house you live in, it's your home that's being prepared for you by Jesus in eternity that you're going to live in for a lot longer. And North Gosford's nice, but, uh, you know, North Central Avenue, 35th and 5th in the, you know, near the, just down from the pearly gates, take a left, you know what, you know what I'm saying, in, in, uh, in heaven. That's what it's about. And so uh, with that sense of bringing glory to God, we talk about uh, making conversations, meaningful conversations happen. So when we talk about uh, our, our conversation with God, we're obviously talking about a devotional life. As I said, Jesus made it possible for us to have an open channel of communication with the Lord at any point of your life at any time of the day. And it's amazing. The privilege of prayer is incredible. And so we can come before him. Um, There's a passage in Hebrews that I'll just throw up here um, that says, a verse that says, Be careful you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. And it goes on. We haven't got time to look at the whole thing. But just notice that first phrase there, that first passage. Be careful you don't refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. God is speaking. All the time, most accurately through his word, but he confirms that through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, as we heard earlier, through other people with words of knowledge and words of wisdom. It can be a supernatural thing. It can be just a practical wisdom thing, but God is speaking. And so we have an opportunity to connect, converse, and listen to him. But, of course, conversation is two ways it's because God is also listening. And look at this uh, verse from Psalm 145, verse 18, one of many verses in the Bible that talks about God coming close and listening to us with a a loving, caring heart of a father. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Isn't that awesome? Notice also there's that responsibility I'm talking about, about making it happen. He'll he'll listen, but you've got to call on him. The Bible says he'll draw near to those who draw near to him. So there's a responsibility for us to make the conversation happen, to make the advance. Jesus has made the door open. We've got to step through it and we come to listen and we come to uh, share and talk and walk with him and talk with him. And, and, uh, and, and of course, we can unload our burdens and, and he cares for us. So the Bible says, cast your cares upon him. Uh, and that's awesome. But you know what really brings glory to God? It's not just when we pray, oh, God, bless me and help me. It's when we feel and hear the Holy Spirit's leading to pray for others, to pray for God's purposes, to pray for souls to be saved, to pray for nothing short of revival. And, you know, every revival in history has been preceded by prayer. And we can be part of that. There is no reason why historically there cannot be or will not be another great revival. And it could start right here in this suburb, in this community, in this time in history. And, uh, and we can't afford to just wait and wonder and see what might happen. We can be on the front foot making conversations, making petitions, knocking on the door until it opens in terms of revival and people getting saved. Um, and all the great evangelists and, 
and, and preachers that have been involved in revivals would always talk about the power of prayer. Speaking of which, I have a book here called The Power of Prayer, written by the great R.A. Torrey. Now, Torrey was a contemporary of uh, D.L. Moody, who was very well known as an evangelist. Torrey, not so well known these days, but still very much in the early part of the 20th century, very well known from uh, America, but travelled all around the world um, for a couple of years, particularly in the early 1900s, including Australia, uh, and had revivals on a big scale. And he writes about them um, in this book. He talks about coming to Sydney and packing out the town hall in Sydney, which was interesting because he said it seated 5,000 people. I looked up today, it seats 2,000 people. It hasn't shrunk, it's just WHS has stepped in and said, you can't have 5,000 people in there because the thing's going to burn in a minute if it, you know, something goes on. So isn't that interesting? Back in the day, they just packed 5,000 in the same size room. In fact, he said we couldn't even get everybody together in one meeting. We had to say, ladies only in the daytime, men, you come back at night. And so he had great revival there uh, and people saved and... Uh, uh, there's great stories on the big scale of what God's doing, but I find just as exciting the answers to prayer in individuals' lives, and he notices them too. And um, so, uh, see, so you don't see. I don't normally need these because I've got you know size four thousand font on the. Uh, on the there's about three letters per page. You know, I'm just turning on the iPad, and it's illuminated. That's why my face is shining. It's not Moses. I don't, I'm going to need a veil. I'm going to, I'm going to get a special iPad made, you know, just zoom, I'm going to need a veil because I need it so bright and big. But anyway, back into normal old paper, non-illuminated small font world, um, here's his story. And it, it's just a simple but powerful story of prayer. He says, in my first pastorate, I had a member of my church, a most excellent Christian woman. But she had a little boy of six who was one of the most incorrigible youngsters I had ever known. One Sunday at the close of the morning service, she came and spoke to me about her boy. He said, yes, I know him. Everybody in town knew him. Then she said, you know he is not a very good boy. Yes, I replied, I know he is not a very good boy. Indeed, that was a decidedly euphemistic way of putting it. In fact, he was the terror of the neighborhood. Then his heavy-hearted mother said, what shall I do? I replied, have you ever tried prayer? Why, of course I pray, she said. Oh, that is not what I mean. Have you ever asked God definitely to regenerate your boy and then expected him to do it? I do not think I have ever been as definite as that. Well, I said, you can go right home and be as definite as that. She went home and she was just as definite as that. I think it was from that very day, certainly from that week, that her boy was a transformed boy and he grew up into a fine young man. And, uh, and so I think that's just, you know, from a hundred years ago, who knows what that guy did with his life, but who knows how he could have turned out if his mother hadn't prayed with that definite, strong, direction and making the conversation, making the commitment in prayer. And then he tells another story um, of another individual. And he said, uh, in Chicago, in the early days of D.L. Moody's work, this is the great evangelist, there was a, he calls him a desperate man. I think we would use the term differently these days, uh, but I think he just means a bit of a rogue um, he says there was a desperate man. He used to attend the meetings and try to disturb them. He was a Scotchman. 
uh, from you know, Scotland and had been reared in a Christian home by a godly mother, but he had wandered far from the teachings of his childhood. And the man was dreaded even by other uh, resolute men in Chicago. Uh, so, sorry, he was dreaded by the resolute men in the, um, in the church, but, all, but he also says by the, by the other ratbags, so to speak, in Chicago, the dissolute men. Um, and uh, one night he stood outside the church where they were having the meetings with a pitcher of beer offering a free drink to anyone who came out of the church. Uh, at other times, he would come into the meetings and try to disturb the workers throughout the services. And um, uh, someone, uh, you know, he, he goes on talking about how terrible he was. But then he says, one night he went to bed and he didn't re- realise that his, um, his old mother was still praying for him in Scotland. He went to bed that night just as wicked and godless as ever. But in answer to his mother's prayer, God awakened him in the middle of the night and brought to his mind scriptures from his childhood. That uh, Verses of scripture went straight into his heart. He accepted Christ without getting out of bed. He became one of the most active and most useful members of the, of the Moody Church and Institute. And when I was pastor of that church, Torrey speaking, he was one of the elders. And afterward became one of the evangelists of the church and was used to lead many to Christ. But it goes on. Sometime after his own conversion, he went to Scotland to visit his old mother. He had a brother in Glasgow in business, and this brother was trying to be an agnostic. I love that. You know, it's like you're going to lose. They're on to you. But the godly mother and converted son prayed for the brother, and so he too was converted, gave himself to God's work. He went on to prepare for foreign missionary work and served for 30 years as a medical missionary in India under the Free Church of Scotland Missionary Board. But there was still another brother, a wanderer on the face of the earth. They did not know where he was, but they supposed he was somewhere out on the high seas. But the godly mother... And the converted brother knelt and prayed with his wandering son and brother. As they prayed, unknown to them but told later, he was on the deck of a vessel in the Bay of Bengal, not far from Calcutta. The Spirit of God fell upon the deck of that vessel and upon that son and he was converted. And then he went to America and he was for many years a member of the church that Torrey pastored. And he died, he said he served God for many years and died a triumphant death. Prayer had reached halfway around the world and instantly saved a man who seemed utterly beyond hope. Now, those stories can be our stories. You know, power of prayer. God is no respecter of persons. It's not, oh, well, that's Tori speaking. I'm going to listen to him. No, no. Every one of us, through the name of Jesus, has the opportunity to petition God and, and storm the gates of heaven for people to be born again, people in your family, people in our community. Amen? And so that's pretty powerful, pretty exciting. And, of course, it brings great glory to God when people are born again and changed lives occur, yeah? The second conversation is obviously when people need to hear about the Lord. And last year we talked about a weekly witness, having at least once a week a meaningful conversation with someone about the Lord. And we want to carry on with that ethos, that uh, culture in our church. Of course, every day, every minute of the day, sure, great. But if you can just think in terms of once a week, it's more likely that it's going to happen uh, rather than just putting your 
put pressure on, saying, well, I've got to convert five souls a day or something. It's a, it's a more realistic uh, goal to say, this week, so, sometime, and to prayerfully go before God, say, give me opportunity. When you see that, you step through that door. I had an opportunity this week because someone on Facebook saw the post about the Lake Cajeligo trip. And I was talking to a motorbike mate who's not a Christian, but he saw the trip that the young people had done out to Lake Cajeligo. And that opens his heart to, oh, yeah, the church isn't just about you know, preaching theology, but really helping people. And you, I could see his heart's kind of warmed to, to what we're on about because of the practical outreach of helping out with the, um, the, the kids' holiday program out there. And, uh, and so we look for those opportunities. Look at uh, this passage in Colossians uh, in uh, chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every t- opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So there's a determination to have a certain kind of conversation. Again, not just, oh, I'm just following the Lord and living my life and thinking about me and then people come into my world and I just respond and talk to them. No, no, I'm making an effort. I'm, I'm allowing my conversation to be attractive, to be full of God's grace, seasoned with grace, one translation says. And so we have the right response, not the wrong response, not an unthought through response, but good, prayerfully prepared responses. And so we're sowing seeds of the gospel in people's lives when we have these conversations. And so we ask questions. We take the lead. Can I pray for you? If someone's talking about a a really tough situation, we can be bold enough to say, can I share with you what God has done in my life? And we talk about our story like we did last year, the story of my life involved in God's biggest story. Uh, We can invite people. Would you like to come to church this Sunday? It's not that hard. It's a great service. We have air conditioning. Come. Just come and enjoy the cool. Um, I mean, that should get someone in these days. Flip. And... um, uh, we have hot coffee and cool auditorium. You put two together. Whatever. Uh, you can encourage people to um, look at our website and say there's a section there that talks about what it is to follow Jesus, what it is to know Jesus, uh, and, uh, and information about who we are as a church. And so we've got to remember, church, that Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We've got God's glory to shine. We've got a tasty message for people to appreciate and and taste and see that the Lord is good, yeah? And uh, and so some people aren't tasting and seeing because no one's putting it before them. You know, there's some really good food on offer, but maybe they're not making the effort. To, they're not going to, you know, bash the doors down of the local church generally. I mean, every now and then you'll get someone just coming in, what must I do to be saved? But that's the exception of the rule. Normally, we've got to go, as Jesus said, go into all the world, go and make disciples, go and preach the gospel, and go and present here, green eggs and ham. Taste it, taste it. You will see they're made for you and me. You know, I'll eat them in a fox with a fox and in a box and on a boat and in a moat. And, you know, remember the green eggs and ham story? And people are like, oh, green eggs and ham, church, Christian. Well, you've never tasted it. But your life is tasty. You don't have to preach the four spiritual laws to them or even, you know, or read a whole passage from the Bible. Your life is the green eggs and ham. 
just talking about the what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I had a great time. Went to church. Oh, yeah, no, 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 hear me out. Da, 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 da. And you talk, and then you, what, what, this is happening, and God's doing this in my life, and you, you, in a natural, real way, just like Tim's saying, you know, oh, my life's blessed. People even ask sometimes, how come you have your together? You know, what's, why are you, you know, what's, and, uh, and Tim will say, well, I don't take all the credit. Okay, I'll take some credit. I'm really cool and all that, but, uh, you know, but I, uh, I got some really good advice. I, I've been in this church for years and God's really blessed me. And uh, you hear what I'm saying? It can be a very natural, real conversation. Finally, we talk to each other. We make a conversation happen with people that we know. We're doing life with in God's family, in our real natural families, closer relationships are waiting to be built in your life. And you've got to take the step. You've got to make the conversation happen. You've got to take up the responsibility. Uh, many passages that talk about this, good, real relationships doing life together, especially in the New Testament. Look at just one in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says, encourage each other. Well, there's a good start. Encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honour those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Well, that's like what Tim was saying. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Live peaceably with each other. Well, that honour isn't just for leaders. The Bible says honour each other, honour one another. And so, you know, we honour you and we don't just expect honour as pastors. We we honour everybody and we show respect, and we live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. So there's a few different ways of interacting that are mentioned there. Encouragement, building each other up, and that's obviously done with our words, our conversation. But also it says warn those who are lazy. And so there's some strong words that you might have if you've built the bridge, if you've built a good, strong connection. You don't just go up to anyone and say, I don't like the look at you. I think you've been a bit lazy. You know, what's your name again? Yeah, I think you could do better in life. You know, whoa, who are you? You know, but we build relationships and then we've got a strong bridge to walk over and say, hey, um, can I just encourage you? to not do that or maybe do this better or I think that's a bad decision you're about to make and that can be in love for their benefit, not just to get something off your chest or you don't like them, quite the opposite. I just hung out a week ago, once or twice a year with a couple of mates. We've known each other for 45 years. I know you find that hard to believe because I am actually older than 37. Um, no, so we were, um, we were uh, mates since about, not kindy, year two. Uh, and then we um, all came to know the Lord as teenagers in different schools, but we met up again in the same youth group, and we've gone on, still married to our first wife, and had children, and, you know, so we've had a, a similar, different lives and careers and all that, but we catch up, and um, I meet him down, I ride down the old road, and uh, we sat down there Saturday at about nine o'clock, and before and it's midday, and we, for three hours we've solved all the world's problems. Uh, you know what it's like. And when you get together with some old friends and you can share deeply all the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, and you can give advice. Uh, in fact, one of the guys loves to tell the story that when he was 
he was so morbid, breaking up and going out with this girl and breaking up and getting back together and breaking up and going out. And I don't remember it happening, but we were living, batching together at the same time. But apparently I once just gave him a serve and said something like, you are so miserable to live with. You just got to get your act together. It's a joke, you know, something like, and uh, because he'd broken up with his girl, you know, about five times. I'd be, love and don't and hate and can't live without you. You know, they weren't right for each other. But he said that helped him go, right, that's it. I'm breaking up. And they really, you know, because he thought, I am. I'm a miserable sod. This is ridiculous. So it was a really good slap in the face, not literally, but, uh, you know, just, and, and then not long after that, she, he got together with this girl that Ruth knew was going to be great. So there was a bit of a matchmaking going on and they've been happily married for, for you know, 35 years or whatever. Or, well, no, it'd be more like 25, 30 years. Anyway, uh, there's some great conversations, some uh, relationships that are built with those conversations and, um, and we need to maintain them by making an effort, making the conversation, making that appointment. These, one guy lives way down the other side of Sydney, the other guy, but we make the effort, we get together we help each other. And within the family of God, there are relationships. Not with everybody. You don't have to be chasing everybody and being buddies with everybody. But the Holy Spirit will lead us to certain people that we will be benefited by and we will be a blessing to as well. And uh, and Tim was mentioning that before. The life experiences in the family of God. It's just awesome to glean from and grow together with. And so um, it's always worth telling someone your prayer needs, what you got. In fact, just let me finish with this. Just this week, Josh came to talk to me about very important issues, what motorbike to buy. Uh, and so there I am. I'm full of wisdom, especially when it comes to motorbikes. But while we're talking about that all-important issue, we talk about life in general. It tells me about the house that he's been trying to sell for quite some time. Am I? Is it more than a year? How long is it? Was it more than a year? A year and a half it's been on the market. We chat about this. Now, Josh leaves. I pray that day... He rings, he texts me later that day within hours and say, the house sold today. Now, I'm not taking full credit for that, but I think the power of prayer has something to do with it. And the Lord Jesus is moving, bang, and right there. And so how cool is that? So it's worth sharing your issues with your pastor or other people in your life who can help you and know what to pray for for you. Isn't that cool? And so, um, uh, you know, conversations. Oh, wow, I've got a couple of but we run out of time. Praise the Lord. Um, let me just say this to finish. Let's make this year a year of making the conversation, of community, connection, uh, of relationship, be intentional in our conversations, up in our devotion to the Lord with prayer, uh, out in our witness to the community and, of course, in with fellowship and discipleship. And in doing so, we'll be bringing glory to God. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.